All right, good to be with you. Uh, Pastor Scott put the heat on me, uh, called the Holy Spirit through me. But one thing, Pastor Scott would make a terrible televangelist because he totally forgot the offering. Uh, but we know you saw it up there. We're so thankful for your faithful giving during this time. We're doing things we've never done before. And uh, you can give online, you can give via text, etc. If you've been impacted during this time financially, we don't want you to give. You let us know how we can help you. But for those of us who aren't, thank you. Um, when your gifts come in, it makes all of us, our team, our pastors know that what we're doing week to week through sheltering and presence, through worship, is making a difference. So God bless you. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, we're beginning a new teaching series today um, called Spiritual PPE. But before I get to that, I want to ask you, do you remember how we started this year at Garfield Memorial Church? Do you remember in January, we kicked off a whole new teaching series? Now, I know that probably seems like a year ago now, right? But let's just throw the slide up there. Do you remember seeing this when we declared that it was going to be Vision 2020? That 2020 was going to be a year of vision. Where there's no vision, the Bible says, people die, people perish. And that there is a vision for the appointed time. If it seems to Terry wait for it, we sensed that God was up to something. Uh, in 2019, we had made some amazing staff hires. Uh, isn't it so amazing? Dre and Leah Bracey are with us, and Pastor Kurt online, and Dan McGrail, our production manager. We felt we were uniquely positioned for a next move of God. And we knew that in the church trends in the world, uh, that the American church continued to be in decline. Worship attendance, even by active members, was decreasing in frequency to the point that it said last year, Barna said the active Church person only goes to worship 1.1 times a month. That was in 2019. And, and giving is, is down in general to nonprofits and churches, once in a while to causes, but generally down. Now, that hasn't been the trend at Garfield Memorial, but it's a trend in the American church, and we were paying close attention to it. And I said in 2019 to our leaders that 2020 needed to be a year of vision. And look what I wrote. I just pulled up our minutes from our administrative council meetings, our, our finance and our church council. Uh, in the fourth quarter of 2019, this is what I shared with our team. You'll see it on the screen. I said, we are launching Vision 2020, a micro and macro three and 10 year vision plan. Because listen to this. This is what I said back in October. I believe that 2020 is going to set off the most important decade in the American church since at least the civil rights movement and possibly since the great awakening of the 18th century. I said that back in October. And I don't have the gift of prophecy, friends. I'm not claiming that. But it's amazing to me as I went back and remembered that, what the Holy Spirit was saying to me and through me to the church that, that we, we're looking now three and ten years out, and all scholars, all uh, sociologists are saying that, that comment on the church that the next three to ten years are going to be pivotal. And that's why on Easter I said I want you to have a, a, an Easter toolkit to survive this pandemic. Do you remember what I said on that Sunday? I said because right now and on the other side of this, God is really going to need you. All of us right now are evangelists. Have you ever thought about that? It's not people coming into worship centers and listening to a preacher on Sunday. All of us, as we're in Zoom chats and we're texting people or calling people or, or you know, FaceTiming or whatever it is, 
We are the ambassadors of light. Every single one of us. And Paul said to his protege, Timothy, watch this. He said, preach the gospel, preach the good news. Whether the times are favorable or unfavorable. So I, I, somebody told me, oh, your Easter message affected me, and I shared it with eight of my friends, and, and we had a, a dialogue about it. And this morning, I saw some of you saying, jump in with our church online. All of us right now are essential workers for the kingdom. And you have a role to play in that. And so that's why I've said, I don't want your faith to just survive. I want your faith to begin to thrive. And so we're going into this series where we're preaching on spiritual PPE, putting on some things to guard us and protect us as we get set to go out and be the ambassadors for Christ in the world. Now be honest with me, how many of you had PPE in your everyday vernacular for the last 20 years? I sure didn't. I mean, we knew about it. If you go to a surgery or something, you know that they're going to be wearing masks. Uh, we know that first-line responders like firefighters or, or the police have personal protection equipment. That's what PPE stands for. But were we really talking about it this much? But now, if you watch the news more than once or twice a day, um, you're realizing that that's, you're, you're hearing that term five or six times. And our healthcare workers, even here from Garfield that I continue to text and check on, they're, they're saying that that personal protection equipment, that PPE, is literally a matter of life or death for them. Now, the Apostle Paul says something to that effect. He says for us to live out this calling in Jesus Christ, there's some things we need to put on. He talks about putting on the whole armor of God, putting on our spiritual PPE. So for the next eight weeks... All through May and through June, our whole pastoral team, myself, Pastor Scott, Pastor Terry, Pastor Steve, we're going to be breaking down Ephesians 6, looking at the whole armor of God. In fact, we're going to preach on this so much that at the end of it, you don't memorize this scripture, we'll know you haven't been here. Okay, in fact, this is what you'll do with Garfield people like six months a year. You'll say, repeat Ephesians 6. And if they can't do it, you say, you were playing hooky during the pandemic, right? You can be like the old uh, Baptist preachers used to say, you're going to go to hell, you infidel, like you didn't do your homework, right? But we're going to spend time in this together because we think it's crucially important. What I'm going to do today and next week is set up why we need spiritual PPA, PPE, what we're up against. Pastor Scott then on Memorial Day is going to say, now what's our role? Okay, Chip set the, he's Dr. Doom, he's telling us what we're up against. Now, how do we go out there? And then for the rest of the series, we'll break it down, okay? We're looking at the letter to the Ephesians. It's an amazing letter from the Apostle Paul. It's very different. It's written specifically to believers. See, Romans, it's, Pastor Steve preached on last week, um, Galatians, even First and Second Corinthians, they're ma Paul's making the case for the gospel. In Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the good news of God, it's the power of God for all salvation. He's making the case that Jesus is the new Adam who's rescuing us from the fall of the first Adam. And he's preaching to Jew and to Gentile, uh, to, to believers and non-believers. But when he gets to Ephesians, he's writing to believers. He's giving us a blueprint for how we're to live out our life following Christ and for how we're to be the church. And if you read it, he says this amazing power of God 
has come into the world through Jesus Christ. And my, one of my favorite passages is Ephesians 3.20, when he said, now unto him who is exceedingly abundantly able to do more than you could ask or imagine, watch, according to the power at work in you and in his church. See, this power now has come into the world, and now we have the capability of living this out, living out the Christian life, being the Christian church, only because of Christ. And so in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, he talks about how that power works in our lives, how it should work its way out in our marriages, how it should work its way out in our careers, how it should work its way out as we receive and spend money and, and, and build relationships and, and go about our work in the world. It's a blueprint for living the Christian life. But at the end of the letter, Paul says something. He says, finally. Finally, right? He doesn't, he doesn't give us all these uh, teaching and then say, you get it now? Okay, sincerely, your friend, Paul. He says, finally. Not P.S. Not, oh, wait a minute, I forgot to tell you, you better take the trash out every Tuesday. No, he says, finally. In the Greek, that literally means pay close attention. I'm about to give you some rudimentary things so essential to you that I have to say, finally, and watch what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Some translations say in high places. Therefore, it's a prescription, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. See, this is Paul's, finally. He's given us a blueprint how to live, but he's giving us a very, very essential warning, right? You better be prepared for this life of Christ in this world, this fallen world. In fact, it would be the best illustration I could be, let's say I'm a general back in early times, maybe medieval Europe or early North America, and I say to you, I'm sending you out to build a fort. I want you to go build a fort. So get all the woodworkers and the masons and the glass cutters and here's my blueprints, here's the book of Ephesians. Go build the fort. But what I forget to tell you is that you're gonna go build it in enemy territory. What I forget to tell you is while you're building, people will be shooting at you and trying to kill you. And you would say, hmm, that was kind of an important safety tip. <laughs> like, why did you leave that out, Chip? Um, and, and that's what Paul is saying. He's saying you're going to go out to build the church, to be the church, to be uh, essential workers for the kingdom. But you're going out there like Jesus said, I send you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. You're going out there with an array of cosmic spiritual forces. And so today, uh, as I lay the groundwork, why we need our spiritual PPE, three things, three basic principles of why we need it, what we're up against, and then maybe one over our overarching kind of uh, calming overview, if I can get to it. If I don't, I'll get to it next week. The first reason we need our spiritual PPE is because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to prepare for a fight. 
What did Paul say at the end of his life? I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept my faith. How many of you know that being a follower of Jesus Christ, that you're involved in a struggle, right? There, there, there's, there's a struggle about it. There's, there's, there's a conflict going on, right? Um, and, and some of you say, wait a minute, Chip. I came to Jesus to get away from struggle. I came to Jesus because I wanted peace. I want shalom in my life, right? And, and, and isn't Jesus our peace? Doesn't he give us the peace that passes understanding? You bet he does. In fact, the Bible says that he has become our peace and has made peace with God. But there's still a struggle. You know, when you, Jesus said, if the world hates you, know it hated me long before it hated you. That it's this balance that's going on. In fact, I read something I want to read to you. It's kind of old English, bear with me. But it was a, a, there was an old Anglican bishop in the 18th century, I'm sorry, 19th century named J.C. Riles. He was Archbishop of Liverpool. And I, when I was in seminary, I dug through the archives, and there was a sermon he preached that always struck me. He called it, True Christianity is a Fight. Here's what he wrote. True Christianity is a fight. There's a vast quantity of religion current in the world which is not true, genuine Christianity. It passes mustard, uh, it satisfies sleepy consciousness, but it's not good money. It's not the real thing which was called Christianity 1,800 years ago. There are thousands of men and women who go to churches every Sunday and call themselves Christians. Their names are in the baptismal register. They are reckoned Christians while they live. They are married with a Christian marriage service. They mean to be buried as Christians when they die. But watch this. But you never see any fight about their religion, of spiritual strife and exertion and conflict and self-denial and watching and warring. They know literally nothing at all. Let's consider this, right? They eat, they drink, they dress, they work, they amuse themselves, they, they get money, they spend money, they go through a scanty round of formal religious services once or even twice a week. But the great spiritual warfare, its watchings and strugglings, its agonies and anxieties, its battles and contests, of this they appear to know nothing at all. Do you find in your heart a spiritual struggle? Are you conscious of, of two principles warring within your heart for mastery? Do you feel anything of conflict, struggle, war in your inner self? Well, if you do, thank God that it's there. It's a good sign. It's strongly probable evidence of the great work of becoming like Christ in you. All true Christians are involved in a fight. A real Christian can be known, watch this, as much by their inner warfare as by their inner peace. That's why we had baptism Sunday last Sunday, and we always counsel people, when you go into the waters of baptism and you're making that public you know, profession, be ready for a fight. Be ready for that to be challenged because we're becoming new, new birth, new life in Christ. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a birth. I've witnessed the birth of children. I have three children in my life. Some of you have bore children or, or, or witnessed it as I have. How many of you know that, that being born is, is a fight? It's a struggle. And that's what Paul says in Romans 8. He said the whole creation is groaning in labor pains as the kingdom is being born in this world, right? 
And when a baby comes into the world, it's a fight, right? There's blood, there's, there's struggle, there's screaming and crying, they're shaking and kicking their feet. In fact, if they're not doing that, you're really concerned. Our youngest child, Matthew, had a, was under stress at, uh, at the delivery, and he came out somewhat uh, non-responsive. And the doctors didn't go to us and say, you know, if you've been with us in our temperament series, I said this, you heard that. They didn't say when he came out quiet, oh, you have a melancholic. He's a blue. He's an introvert. He's going to be so well-adjusted. No, they're trying to, the breathing apparatus and, and shaking him so that he would awaken. And when they screamed and began to cry, we knew everything was okay. See, that's what it is becoming like Jesus. Do you remember when you first accepted Jesus? Do you remember what a struggle it was to put away the old you and begin to put on the new you? Do you remember what it was like to have to forgive people that got on your nerves? Do you remember what it was like to how to, how to learn to be more patient? Do you remember what it was like to love your enemies? That was a struggle. And if you never went through that, I don't know, did you really come to Jesus or just go to church? Because when you come to Christ, there's a new creation. And in that new birth is a struggle. And we're, we're in it, friends. So we need to know this spiritual PPE because there's going to be a fight. And the second thing I'm going to say, not only is there a fight, there's an adversary. Now, everybody, what did Paul say? He said, be strong in the Lord, <coughs> excuse me, in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, what? So that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In fact, some interpretations say the schemes of the devil. I'm going to talk about that next week, right? That we battle not just against flesh and blood, but spiritual forces of wickedness in high places. Now, some of you are going, oh my gosh, I thought Chip, I, mean, I thought he was an educated guy. I thought you were intelligent. Now you're going to tell me you believe in Satan and in the devil. Isn't that too simplistic? Well, let me challenge you. Maybe if you say, I believe in supernatural good, I believe there's a good God out there, a loving God, but you don't believe in supernatural evil, maybe you're being simplistic. Because we know that our lives are multidimensional, aren't they? We're physical, we're emotional, we're psychological, we're spiritual. Uh, I, I remember uh, one of my teachers that helped me with this, Dr. James Loder at Princeton, he was um, a PhD in systematic theology and a PhD in clinical psychology. He was a clinical psychologist and a doctor of of theology, and he merged those two sciences. And he used to talk to me about when we're facing our problems, do you ever think about how multidimensional it is? You know, he said, maybe, you know, like I've, dealt, I've been honest, I've dealt with depression in my life, not clinical depression, I've never been medicated, but reactionary depression, I've had friends tell me. I've had doctors say, maybe it was something to do with the eight concussions you had playing collegiate sports. But the point was, we were talking about one day, and Dr. Loder said, okay, take depression, Chip. What, what's the cause of depression? Maybe it's sin, right? Maybe, maybe um, I, I blew it in my marriage or I committed adultery or I let my anger get unchecked and I took it out on people I love. It, I might be depressed about that. Well, if it's because of sin, what do I need to do? Repent and make it right. Or maybe the depression is physiological. Maybe it's biochemical. Maybe it's the concussions. And, and how do you respond to that? Diet and exercise and medication. Or maybe the depression is because of shock, right? You went through COVID-19. I'm, you know, I'm sheltered in place. I don't know what's going on. Some of you have told me I'm dealing with depression for the first time. It's shock. Loss of a loved one. 
Well, how do you face that? You need friends, you need a hug, you need love and nurture and support. But what if there's a spiritual aspect to the depression? What if demonic forces are at work? What if something is stirring it up within you? Then you need prayer, right? And that's why I'm gonna have Pastor Lori pray at the end of all of our messages in this series. You need prayer and you need to resist the devil. Jesus said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We, there, there's more in, to the story. In fact, when I was talking with Dr. Loder, usually the, the source of our problems is not just one of those four. It might be a combination of two or three of those things. And that's why it's multidimensional. Even, even science agrees with us here, right? They, the clergy are very viewed as essential workers in hospitals and given free access, what? To just go practice last rites? We don't practice last rites. Uh, the Catholic Church does, we respect that. That's not why they let us in there. Why they let us in there is there's been too many clinical studies that show that people who pray, people who have faith, they tend to get well sooner. And so even science knows there's multidimensional aspects to healing. There's multidimensional aspects to evil. And it's going to help you, friends. It's going to help you um, in your own healing process if we understand that. More on that next week. So there, there is a fight. There is an adversary. And third thing, there will be evil days. Look what Paul says here. He writes at the, at the end of that um, passage. He, he says... Uh, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his power. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to, say that with me, withstand on that evil day and have done everything to stand firm. See, there will be evil days. Some, some of us feel like these days are evil days, right? I mean, we, we believe in the science. We get it. We're not looking for, you know, fingerprints on, on things. But, but my wife, who's one of the most discerning people I know, just senses like in the midst of this, boy, there's kind of a darkness. There's kind of something agitating us. There's something challenging our faith, belittling us, right? Uh, you know, you know that, that there will be evil days. Have you ever had those days where you just felt like you're living through some evil days? That something feels like it's out to get you, and guess what? Maybe it is. And, and when we don't look at this spiritually, we respond to that one of three ways. One, we shrug it off. Oh, it's coincidences. You'll hear people saying like, oh, COVID-19 is just like the flu. You know, it's just kind of shrug it off. And, and, and you become insensitive and you become kind of uh, non-empathetic. Uh, it's just a, a defense mechanism. Oh, it's not that bad, right? It just comes with the times. Or you blame yourself. You say, oh gosh, I haven't been doing the right things. I'm such a failure. And, and you get really down on yourself. Or thirdly, you blame somebody else. And you get paranoid. Uh, it's the Democrats. They did this. It's the Republicans. They did this. It's some mad scientist somewhere. They did it. See? And, or you can do what Paul said to discern the times and know maybe some days are evil and there's a spiritual component to what's going on. And when you know that, it'll free you from the others because without understanding, hey, there's something attacking my faith here. There's a darkness in this. There's something that's trying to make me despair or give up hope. When you understand that that's out there, you don't just you know, get mad at yourself, which creates self-hatred. You don't get paranoid, which creates hatred toward others. And you don't get indifferent. 
you sense this, watch this. Like Paul, you say, maybe there's more going on that meets the eye. And maybe I need to put on the armor of God and stand. So this is why we need the spiritual PPE, because we're in for a struggle, struggle for our faith. We're up against an adversary, right, who will continually harass us. I'll talk more about his schemes next week. And, and we know we're going to go through some evil days. But the last thing I want to say, the overarching kind of principle to you is this. I want to say to you, don't just stand, withstand. I love when Paul said that. He said, may you withstand. He's saying, you know, stand, you're going to stand firm. But he says, may you withstand onto that evil day. Do you ever think of that word withstand? What does it mean? You know, you're withstanding a storm, right? Or the trees are withstanding the high winds. Do you ever get a sense we're leaning into it? We're up against something. We're in a struggle. There's hurricane force winds. There's gales. There's, there's hail. There's rain pelting against my face. It doesn't feel good. I'm not going forward, but by God, I'm not going back. I'm withstanding, right? Putting down my roots. Do you know, though, beyond just perseverance, that the root of the word withstand means this? It means to stand with. So don't just stand, stand with, right? I mean, I hate to use the warfare imageries, but just bear with me. The scripture's using it. That's when you put on armor. But you know, when we're called by God, go storm the hill, right? Go, go take the castle. You know, we don't realize we've got all kind of air cover. We've got all kind of support around us. Like there is a power of God that's above us and with us and working through us. The old gospel song used to say it this way. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. See, finally, it's his battle. We just ended up in it. Because when you make your ally Jesus, when you say Jesus is my Lord, the same forces that were against him suddenly now are against you. But the ultimate is it's his fight. And we found out on Good Friday and Easter that he won. So we're in a fight. It's a fixed fight. But it's still a fight. And we have a role in it. And God is asking us to trust him. To put on our armor. To stand. To go out there and be essential workers for the kingdom. Trusting that he's with us. Even when we don't feel him with us. And I've heard some of you going through exactly what I'm saying you're, you're, you say some days we talk on faith on Fridays or Monday musings or worship on Wednesday. I hear you. You're texting me. You're, some of you calling me. I love that. You're emailing and saying, hey, Chip, you know, I'm kind of going through this struggle, but then I heard that song on worship on Wednesday, or I heard that prayer, or I read that scripture, and then I got hope again. Do you see that balance? It's a struggle and it's peace. It's sin and it's salvation. It's judgment and it's grace. You're, 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 you're in the struggle, but you're doing well in it. And you're sensing that God's presence is with you. Now, I don't know about you, my faith sometimes is so weak that when God tells me, hey, jump out of the foxhole and, and take the hill, right? I, I kind of want to say, well, God, can't you send some planes up there and bomb it first? Like, can't I wait till they're putting up the white flag and then I'll go? And, and the point is this, you can't say to God, prove your trust for me and then I'll trust you. That, that's, that's not trusting God, that's asking God to do it for you. But, but trusting God is, what did Martin Luther King Jr. say? It's taking that first step even when you can't see the staircase. 
That's putting on the whole armor of God. That's standing firm, okay? And, and as you do that, I, and again, friends, I don't know why God does it this way. I really don't. But I have a hunch why he does. If you've raised children, or if you've been involved in their lives as I have, um, do you remember when children, toddlers, aren't able to walk as parents, what do you do? You carry them, right? Um, you carry them. And moms know that a little bear. I remember my wife carrying our kids. You know, she had this little hip move where she sat the kid right there on her hip. Guys, we hold them with our biceps, you know, acting like we're not tired. But you remember carrying children? And then, but, but eventually as they begin to grow, they, they start to hold themselves up on something and, and they got that look in their eye and they're tottering. Do you remember? And you pull away and you go, come to me, right? And that child looks like, they, they look like, wait a minute, no, I'm terrified. Why are you doing this to me? Because you say, look, I need you to walk for your own. I need you to take some steps. Why? Because I can't carry you till you're 16 years old. Because if I keep doing that, you're not going to develop. And there's something about this that makes me feel like where God is saying, put up your whole armor, that he's sitting back and saying, come on, I want to see you walk. I want, I want to see you come to me. I'm not going to leave you. Maybe you'll fall and hit your head and we'll have to go get a couple stitches. That's okay, but we'll get through that too. But I need you to begin to, to, to trust me even when you're teetering. And when you feel you're teetering and you feel like God is not with you, he has not left you. He's like that parent. I remember teaching Tiana to ride a bike, my oldest daughter, and you know, she's riding and I'm, I'm running with her and I'm like, oh gosh, if I let my hands go, will she be okay? But at some point, what do you got to do? You got to let her go. And that's what God's doing with us. He's helping us to grow up. And I know you're probably like me. Sometimes I say, Lord, why don't you just pick me up and carry me? And sometimes he does. Hosea 11, it says, when you were a child, I carried you with cords of kindness. You know what that word is in Hebrew? Umbilical cord. I took you up like an infant who would I hold to my cheek. But at some point then God says, ow, oh, I need you to grow. Now I need you to put on your spiritual PPE. And I want to teach you how to walk and not grow weary. How to run and not faint. Friends, there's more than flesh and blood at work here. When Paul says we battle not against flesh and blood, he's not saying we never battle against flesh and blood. Of course we do. We're human. We wrestle with things. But he's saying there's more than just flesh and blood at work here. There's a fight for your spiritual life. And you need to put on spiritual PPE, trusting that our parent never leaves us. John 6, 17, Jesus said, whoever comes unto me, I will in no way ever cast out. Even when you can't trace him, I say, learn to trust him. Because Jesus said, I am with you always, your Lord, your Savior, your friend, and your King. So let's work this month. That's why we need, that's the beginning of it, why we need to put on our spiritual PPE. So I'm going to ask Pastor Lori to come up and cover what we've just shared in prayer. You know, one of the things that we do in House of Prayer is seal uh, what we've done in prayer. So let's do that. And I'm just going to ask everybody to stand because we want to take that position in authority. Whether you're at home or here, stand. We're giving God the honor and showing that he's on the throne. Lord, it doesn't matter what we go through. We know we're going through a lot with this virus. And it doesn't matter what we're tempted to believe. We know that 
the devil's been defeated. We know that God is on the throne and elevated and lifted up. And we know that Jesus is Lord. Lord, Chip said the battle is the Lord. Battle is the Lord. And when we get that and understand that, we can stand in victory, knowing that we're the righteousness of God. And when we fall down, we can get up. And not only we can stand, we can stand in the authority of his word. We can stand in his truth. And we can stand that, so that the devil is defeated and we're in a place of victory. So, Lord, no weapon formed against us shall prosper in Jesus' name. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthened us and loves us. And, Lord, we have victory because of what you did on the cross. So, Lord, as we pick up this armor, Lord, let, let us pick up you, Lord, in our hearts. And, Lord, as we pick up this armor, help us to know that we have victory in Christ Jesus, the hope of glory. Amen.